welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, I am going to have Courtney on here. Um, So if you want to, Courtney, you can kind of introduce yourself a little bit um, and your family and what you do um, to give everybody a little jive of your life. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) But my name is Courtney Steffens-Meyer. First and foremost, I'm a mom to three kiddos. Um, My husband, Andrew, and I live in Norfolk, Nebraska, and I am an IBCLC, which is Internationally Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Um, My full-time job is being a mom, but on the side, I own a private practice Um, where I have a weekly breastfeeding support group. I teach a breastfeeding and prenatal um, one-on-one breastfeeding course, and then I um, do in-home lactation visits. So So cool. We need more people like you, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, it is so nice to be able to go to our parents' houses and Um, they don't have to leave the house and we can do lactation care right then and there. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're fine. I was like, is that me? I don't know who that was. No, of course. My phone's like connected to everything, like my computer, my minivan. So it's like, I always have like a million noises going on. So I apologize. (laughs) Mom. I love that you have a minivan too. Right? I know. After we get, had our third baby, I had to get it. I was what? like, I was like, all right, it's time. It's time that I finally get my van. Activate, activate mom mode. Right? I was so proud. Um. So how long have you been doing IBCLC and what kind of brought you into that? Um. So I have been in IBCLC for, let's see. In December, it was three years now, Mm -hmm. um, which just seems crazy. But um, (laughs) what kind of got me into that is I was working at our local hospital here in Norfolk as um, an echovascular sonographer, which is just a fancy way to say an ultrasound technician of the heart and veins. Mm -hmm. And I had been doing that for almost 10 years. And um, I was pregnant with our second daughter, and I was just really feeling tugged um, to stay at home with my babies and whatever I was doing with my work needed to have full intention to justify being away from my babies. And um, after my first daughter, we had some significant breastfeeding difficulties and I was kind of anticipating having that with our second as well. And so I decided to um, go ahead and go back to school and get my IBCLC license so I could help both myself and the people around um, our community locally. 
Um, and that's just kind of what drove me to start my private practice. And I saw a need for a support group and for a breastfeeding prenatal class. And so it all just kind of took off from there, all rooted in passion from my own babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have some amazing lactation consultants here in Norfolk, but they, um, we have two of them that work at our local hospital. Um, unfortunately, you know, they're only staffed for business hours and not on weekends. Um, and so again, that's kind of what drove me into my private practice and the convenience of me going into the mom's houses. Um, and you know, I'm available seven days a week. And so typically whenever a family reaches out, they never have to wait longer than one to two days to have an in-home lactation visit with me. Yeah. And even just like, I hear your little guy talking over there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Even just like the being able to have you to even like message or whatever, because I assume you kind of do stuff like that where you can like text or message too. I feel like it's so important because like, like when you're in it, you're in it. It's like deep and you have, especially first time moms, you have no idea what the heck you're doing. So just being able to have that almost like immediate, um, support is so so cool. You know, instead of like having to like, well, for me, especially living kind of rurally, our nearest lactation people in general is an hour away at the hospital. When, when you're like freshly postpartum, that's a big task to do to drive. Oh my gosh, yes. To drive an hour away and an hour back. And, you know, and it always seems like they do so great as soon as they get there. It's the oh, magic lactation chair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that happens all the time. But, you know, that is why I think um, I am just living out my calling right now because I have such empathy for these families. I know what it's like when you are in the thick of breastfeeding and you're like, I do not have time to wait until, you know, Monday if it's the weekend for lactation care, or I don't have time to wait a few days. Um, So it's just so nice that my families know that they have me in their corner where they can shoot me an email or they can log into our patient portal and um, they have all the information at their fingertips there. And I do offer telehealth services as well. So, you know, even if it's something where, um, I can't get to a mom that day or she's busy that day, there's been multiple times where we literally just FaceTime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We both have our kids running around. Um, but you know, we get the job done just because like you said, you just can't wait when you need lactation support. Yeah, like sometimes two days is enough to make somebody quit, you know? Exactly. I remember, and like we might bring up Shannon a few times because she's kind of our connection to how we know (laughs) each other, but she had, her daughter is what, four or five months older than my son, and so she had you for her lactation person, and when I had just started, I remember being like, I just can't do this. I just can't. And I remember her just being like, Sophie, just give it till Monday. Just give it till Monday. Now just give it till Thursday. Just keep trying. You know, like, mm-hmm. like those two days can make you just be like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And if you don't have those people, I don't know, you could, you might just quit. I don't know. It's just right. anyway. anyway yeah. That's, it's, yeah. 
It's so true. And, you know, sometimes all it takes is someone just to listen to you and encourage you as well. You know, sometimes it's not even the educational piece. And that's why I think it's so important when I have moms reach out in such a, you know, distressed state like you just mentioned. Um, I just say instead of making a rash decision today, you know, I know it's a hard day, but let's think for just 24 hours and then revisit our decision because, It does between like the lack of sleep and, you know, you're just constantly feeling touched out. And then, you know, a lot of times you feel helpless and you don't know who to turn to. So sometimes those decisions can come really fast and then those decisions can hold a lot of regret as well. So yeah, I agree. It's important to just have someone to talk to sometimes. Those hormones, those hormones, man, they will make you just not even be able to think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm living in it right now. (laughs) Yes. How many weeks postpartum are you right now? Um, I will be six weeks postpartum this upcoming weekend. So just about five and a half. So you're in the real peak of it, I feel like. Oh, yeah, baby. And it's, it's just something else with having two older kids this time, too. And I feel like we're just kind of entering this new stage of life because our oldest is um, in preschool. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm feeling extra mommy right now because it's like, all right, everyone has to get in the van. We got to go to daycare. We got to go to school. But yet we have a newborn. And so it's just, yeah, it's just crazy right now. But just trying to take it all in and adjust. Yeah, just a season. Oh, um, yeah. So let's go into maybe your births. <laughs> and yeah. I just kind of want you to maybe go into just kind of like a brief description of your past two pregnancies and births. You don't have to go too far in depth with them if you don't want to, but just kind of to give a backstory on your last one, it would be kind of good to know. Yeah, sure. So, um, Basically, our oldest daughter, she is five years old. Her name is Sunny. And then we have a two and a half year old. Her name is Scotty. And then, like I mentioned, we um, just had a baby. He's not quite six weeks yet. And his name is Gus. So the girls finally got their brother. Mm. Um, Yeah, but um, my first two pregnancies were very similar. I really had no significant issues during pregnancy at all. They were both pretty blissful pregnancies for the most part, other than, you know, some first trimester nausea and fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, My first daughter, she was born on her due date and she was born in the hospital. Um, I did receive an epidural, um, kind of just, you know, the traditional, um, modern American birth. And it was, it was wonderful. And honestly, when she was born, I told my husband, like, that's it. Like that. I mean, that's what it's like to have a baby because it felt so blissful to me because I felt absolutely nothing. (laughs) Um, And I was like, wow, this is so easy being a mom. Um, And then a little while after that, I kind of started feeling like disconnected from um, my birth and kind of in my postpartum. And I just didn't like feel this immediate connection with our daughter. And as I kind of started processing things, I was just kind of like, I honestly think this all stems back to my birth and the fact that I feel like 
I didn't go from that pregnancy to birth transition. I didn't feel my body actually do it. And so my mind just had such a hard time um, recognizing that she was here now. And so shortly after she was born, (laughs) we still had a newborn. And I told my husband, like, next birth, we're doing a natural birth. (laughs) Because I want to be able to feel everything. I want to be able to feel the process. I want to feel like I'm actually like in postpartum, like I'm empowered by what I just did. Yeah. Um, And so that kind of led into the birth of our second daughter, Scotty. And again, we had a fairly smooth um, pregnancy and she was due um, almost a week after or she was born almost a week after her due date and again birth started naturally and we kind of labored at home for quite a while until contractions were about three minutes apart um, and again it already felt so different because I had my older daughter here who we were hanging out with all day and my husband stayed home from work And I had my two sister-in-laws come over who were going to be watching our oldest daughter for us. And I just remember it was a sunny day. It was perfect outside. So we were just like sitting outside um, in the sun, talking and laughing. They were just distracting me from my contractions. And my older daughter was running around. And um, I would just pause when I needed to and let the wave hit and then continue on. And um, then we finally went into the hospital probably around 7 p.m. that day. And then she was born at 1051 p.m. So I really think that her birth, it was so peaceful. And um, I honestly was a little frightened because naively I was like I'm going to let my body do exactly what it knows that it needs to do and I'm not going to prepare um (laughs) I did not look into any um like natural childbirthing maneuvers (laughs) techniques breathing podcasts nothing and so I naively went into it and somehow it all worked out um I would say the one time that I was terrified was kind of right at the end where you um, kind of cross that death versus are you alive? Can I actually birth this baby naturally? Um, But that wave lasted so quickly. And um, yeah, I, she was out in two pushes and all the nurses were laughing because it was right at the peak of COVID and my midwife was, struggling to get all of her PPE on and they were like they were like okay don't push don't push and of course when a woman is birthing naturally you can't really say don't push it's just right (laughs) and so um basically one of the nurses started to catch her and then um I remember looking down and my midwife had like her gown on but not tied in the back. And then her mask was like hanging off of her ear and she had caught her. So we were kind of laughing about that, but, um, but yeah, she lifted her up and put her right on my chest. And it was just an experience that I will never forget because it was just this overwhelming feeling of like, I just did that. My body just did that. Um, And it was so different from my epidural 
because I felt what my body did and I felt such reward putting her on my chest that it just I feel like had an immediate made an immediate bond with us yeah um and yeah it was just a really beautiful and special thing um did you did you have a different um like postpartum experience between the two because you had said that you didn't feel like a connection to your first daughter versus this one yeah so you know speaking about my first two daughters postpartums are kind of a little bit sensitive for me still mm-hmm. um, I would say that with my second second daughter specifically um, I did have some postpartum depression and anxiety um, both of my daughters were MSPI which stands for milk soy protein intolerance which mm-hmm. is also a huge reason of why I became an IBCLC mm-hmm. um, but it was just really difficult um, you know, you have this expectation of your postpartum looking a certain way. And I mean, especially with my second daughter, when I was an IBCLC and I was like, we, we got this now. <laughs> um, but it, it really was not peaceful. There was a lot of crying. We were doing, you know, elimination diets. I was hungry. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it was just a really rough time. And, you know, you add you know, diets in to postpartum when you're, you already have a lack of sleep and you add stress in there because you're placing a lot of blame on yourself because almost every time my baby was fussy or gassy, you know, my thought was, well, what did I eat? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of blame there and there's a lot of analyzing all day long. So both postpartums were, pretty difficult for me, I would say. I wouldn't say that, you know, one was better than the other necessarily, (laughs) but I would just say immediately once they, you know, laid the baby on my chest, I definitely felt a difference in my natural birth postpartum in those first few early days. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Did you have any um, like tearing or any, was there any difference that way? Or like recovery wise, physically, was it any different? Yeah, recovery wise was huge. I was just shocked after I had my natural birth and they were like, all right, why don't you get up and go to the bathroom? And I was like, I could just stand up. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember just saying like, is anything going to fall out? And they're like, no. (laughs) Like, I don't think so. Um, but my recovery, it was amazing. I felt so good. Um, we actually only stayed in the hospital for 24 hours with my second, and then we came home to our toddler and Mm -hmm. I just remember being able to be so active immediately. Um, you know, not that that is like supposed to be the top thing on your list to be active, Right. To be able to be present for my toddler and for my newborn. Um, Yeah, it was just amazing. I remember with my first birth, um, it was a little different as well because my first daughter was sunny side up. And so I did have a little more, um, I guess, hip and back pain afterwards and recovery. Um, I did have some tearing with my first daughter. And she 
was actually out in two pushes as well. But since she was sunny side up, just had a few, you know, additional mm-hmm. things going on down there. Yeah. Um, but with our third, um, since he was, I guess I'll just kind of go into his birth story as well. But um, after we had a natural birth with our second daughter, I kind of told my husband, you know, again next time <laughs> like, okay, how, how many babies are we gonna have till we get this birth right <laughs> um, but I told him I was like okay that was so empowering next birth we're going to do a natural birth again but we're gonna do a home birth and he was like ha ha that will never happen um, and so when we got pregnant for the third time then um, I kind of right away started introducing um, the home birth idea to my husband again and he just kind of brushed it off and um, I was like you know I'll just kind of keep introducing it to him we just he needs to watch some natural births some home births himself and he has to say yes for himself (laughs) because I do think it is really important that the partner feels 100% comfortable with the birth plan as well Yeah. There's just, there's something about it that when you have a calm spouse and you have someone that's on the same page as you and who the person who's helping you through your birth, if you guys are kind of vibing on the same feelings and the same goals, Mm -hmm. I just think that's so important. Um, I couldn't imagine having any of my three babies without my husband or without us being on the same page because he was by my side and encouraging me for every part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, pregnancy during the birth and postpartum. And so that, you know, a lot of people ask me that, like, how did you convince your husband to have a home birth? (laughs) And And I'm like, he decided for himself, because I thought that was really important that we were on the same page. And um, so after, you know, some convincing and lots of praying, mm-hmm. we kind of decided to interview some midwives um, to entertain the idea. And um, at our 20-week ultrasound, they thought that I may have placenta previa. So with that being said, they said, okay, you know, we need to recheck at 30 weeks, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, the whole, whole, whole ordeal. (laughs) Usually it's resolved, but until then you have to wait 10 whole weeks to confirm that it is resolved and try not to stress about it. Um, and so, yeah, I'll just sit in my head and not stress at all. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, Oh, don't worry. It typically resolves. And I'm like, okay, great. I I won't worry. (laughs) Um, yeah. Baby sneezes. Oh, cute. Um, and so during those 10 weeks, I just did a lot of praying and I basically said, Okay, Lord, this is in your hands. If, um, you know, there are complications with this birth, obviously we are meant to give birth in the hospital and we will follow your will. And, um, you know, if everything is resolved at 30 weeks, you know, we were just discerning is this what you want us to do? Do like, do you want us to have a home birth or do we need to have a hospital birth? And it just remained on my heart. 
And um, ultimately, we went for a 30-week ultrasound, and they said that everything looked good. And um, I was just so excited. And so we started calling around to our midwives last minute. And typically, it's like impossible to find someone this late in your pregnancy um, to be your midwife, because obviously, most people will find and book a midwife, you know, eight, nine months out. And here I was at 34 weeks, like, who wants to take me on? (laughs) Um, And so we actually did find someone and we really liked her. And she said she would be more than happy to follow us on the remainder of our um, pregnancy and birth journey. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of took it as a sign that it was all kind of meant to be. Um, and so that's kind of what we decided to do. And yeah, so my question for you, I mean, you kind of are just answering my questions as we're going without me even asking you, (laughs) but, um, so up until the point that you found that your previa had, um, resolved, were you still doing all of your, uh, doctor stuff at the hospital Yes. So um, I had actually seen the same midwife Mm -hmm. with all three of my pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And so when I got pregnant this third time, even though we were considering a home birth, I decided to still do all of my medical care with my midwife who I had a relationship with. And so, yes, I continued to do all my appointments with her because, and I guess the other thing too that I hadn't mentioned is that in the state of Nebraska, Nebraska is the, of course, the black sheep state when it comes to home births. <laughs> it's literally the only state um, <clears throat> that a certified nurse midwife cannot attend a home birth. And so I absolutely adore our certified nurse midwife who delivered our two girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, in the state of Nebraska, those um, the certified nurse midwives can only give birth at hospitals under the direct um, care of an OBGYN. Mm. So she cannot perform um, a home birth. And so if you want to have a home birth in the state of Nebraska, you literally have to give birth by yourself at your house with no one else present, no healthcare professionals present, or you can have a certified midwife who is not a certified nurse midwife. And so technically a certified midwife does not practice as a healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, more, they're uh, more of just a holistic. It's like a whole different schooling too. I think it like yeah. they don't, they don't go to, um, like NP school or med school, they go to like midwifery school, if I'm correct. I could yeah, be that's wrong. correct. Yeah, but I think I was correct. Yeah, I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what other kind of like hoops did you have to jump around to figure this all out to have it at home? Yeah, so um, basically it was more difficult because since um so i'm not sure if you are aware there has been a couple different um certified midwives here in nebraska who have been put on trial recently 
um, for practicing as certified nurse midwives, which they are not practicing as that, but they are still doing home births. Mm -hmm. And so um, right now, there's just a lot of midwives who are very skeptical about taking on clients because I mean, if you go to court and you have jail time, a lot of these midwives have kids and they have families and, you know, the financial piece of going to court and being away from their families is just not, not worth risking that right now, which is just so unfortunate because, um, when people ask me like, how did you find this midwife here in Nebraska? Because hardly anyone has home births in Nebraska because (laughs) of the law. And so I, (laughs) I always say it's like a black market for midwives. (laughs) You literally have to like know someone and get a foot in and then they have to give someone your phone number and that person has to contact you. It's like, you Mm -hmm. can't, Um, there's no directory, there's no Google search, there's nothing like that where you can find a midwife in Nebraska to do a home birth with. So it's super difficult to find someone. Um, Thankfully, one of my good friends here in Nebraska is a doula. And so she was my shoe in. And Mm -hmm. basically, she just shot my phone number to a bunch of different midwives that were within driving distance to me. Um, and even the midwife that we used, she was still two hours away from us. So it's so difficult to find someone, um, you know, to be a midwife if you want to have a home ner- home birth in Nebraska, which I just think is so unfortunate, you know, if yeah. families want that, you know, and yeah. there's literally only like one around here where I live too. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually um, met with her last week to hopefully work with her this spring, do some shadowing for her. But yeah, we were kind of chatting about um, you coming on the podcast a little bit. And she was like, oh, I'm so interested to hear her take on it from Nebraska because she had heard of all these trials, too, that were going on. And she was yeah. like, it's almost like Nebraska is North Dakota, but worse. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I would say Nebraska is the worst right now. And yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's sad because um, I've actually heard of people from Nebraska going to different states to deliver their babies um, because they want to have a home birth. And I'm like, isn't that the point of a home birth being in your home? Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I mean, that for me, if someone was like, you have to travel somewhere else to have a home birth, I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go to the hospital then. Right. Yeah. The point is for me to be in the comfort of my home where I know I can fully relax and where I can go to sleep at night in my own bed with my baby. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so yeah, that was probably one of the most difficult parts. And, um, Yeah. So the other thing that's kind of different too is since they're not certified nurse midwives, since they're just certified midwives, they do not come fully equipped with all of the things that a certified nurse midwife would have. So Mm -hmm. basically when I hired my midwife, she was like, this is what I bring along to a birth and this is all I have and this is all I can bring and have. And basically that was oxygen and herbs Mm. so (laughs) yep so they're they don't have any sort of drugs so you know if you were to need pitocin or if you were 
um, in a position where you did tear or you needed to be stitched up, you know, I would have had to transfer into the hospital to receive any of that care. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, well, I shouldn't say it's normal, but I think that's how um, it is around here too. Like, I don't think she can give Patope. I could be wrong. You know, I could be wrong about a lot of things, but <laughs> off, whatever. But just from like other birth stories I've heard too, I don't think they can do um, like drugs out of hospital. But yeah, I don't know. You probably know more than I do. <laughs> oh, not really. <laughs> so when you decided you're going to have this home birth at 34 weeks, um, yes. before that, or maybe then, did you? do any prep for this one since reflecting on your last one you didn't do any <laughs> yes yeah, so this time I was like all right we need something to prepare mentally and spiritually physically so um <clears throat> a couple things that I did my friend that's a doula here that I was talking about she lives in Osmond and her and another doula friend they just started teaching um, a natural birthing class um, mm-hmm. all over Northeast Nebraska, and it is amazing. Um, <clears throat> I wish I would have taken it with um, my first two daughters, but again, it just wasn't something that was available. I always laugh and tell my husband, like, I feel like I was finally pre- prepared for birth this time with our, <laughs> third, with our third kid. I feel like I'm finally like you know, in the know. Um, But yeah, for anyone listening, and if you do live in Nebraska, they do teach their course. I mean, they go to small towns all over Northeast Nebraska. So check out their Facebook page. I think their natural birthing class is like $50 and it is jam packed with information. Um, Is it it just in person, not like online? Yep. It's in person. Um, but they go over all of your rights. Um, they go over hospital protocol. So you, you know, you know, what is protocol, what you can decline, um, Mm -hmm. kind of how to address those issues. Um, and then they go over even what to expect, like if your birth does turn into a C-section or if you do decide you want to be medicated, Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just a natural birthing class, but it's preparing you um, so you kind of know what you're going into and so you know your rights in whichever path you decide to take. Yeah. Um, just, education is so key when it comes to birthing in general, like knowing your options and having informed decisions is so, so, so important. Yes. So that's that's like, even if you want to have an epidural, like, it's just nice to know those things, know what to expect, know what, you, you know, you know what you're saying. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Because when I was um, at the natural birthing class, they were talking about how it's routine in the hospital to give Pitocin um, mm-hmm. after birth to slow bleeding. And I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever, you know, had Pitocin after a birth because no one has ever told me that before. And so the next time I went in to see my midwife, I'd asked her, and sure enough, I received Pitocin after my births. And I was like, that is so crazy to me because, you know, neither time had they said anything about increased bleeding or, you Mm -hmm. know, 
a worry for that even, or little did I even know. So, so again, it's just learning these things and being aware of these things. Um, and just continues to amaze me. Yeah. So, um, what other than your natural childbirth course, did you do anything else to prepare for this birth? Yeah. So I, um, binged the happy home birth podcast. (laughs) Um, probably every day, just listen to three or four episodes. And that is honestly where I got the bulk of my education when it came to home birth, um, how to support my husband and, um, yeah. And kind of all the tips and tricks. Um, The other thing that I did, and I'm not sure what the name of it is too, but I'll have to share it with you. It was a um, guide that I just got off Etsy and it was (laughs) natural birthing positions for you and your partner. Oh, yeah. And it was a printable. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Um, I don't know if it's the exact same one, but I actually have one from Bundle Birth is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, So similar concept it's just like a laminated couple of sheets for like like positionings for um unmedicated and medicated birth so yeah yeah and I'm I got it a girl from my class brought it um when I was taking doula training and I was like that would be so nice to just like have for my clients instead of having to like think about it (laughs) yes Exactly. And I, I mean, I had it bound for my husband and I and laminated in a book. So when it came, I was like, all right, flip to page three and do that position. Yes. Yeah. Um, But it was so nice because, you know, when you're in the moment, you kind of black out. Yep. (laughs) And especially, you know, when you're in the deep stages of labor and you really are at the spot where you can't really talk anymore or express things verbally. It's important that the husband has a resource so he knows what he can try since you're not verbally telling him what to try. Yep. (laughs) So that was huge. And I forgot to mention that earlier too, kind of when my husband and I decided to have a home birth, but I had told him with our second daughter, since we had not really prepared for anything natural birth wise, I felt like he didn't really know how to help me. And mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even know how to help myself really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was thankful that the nurses and my midwife were there to kind of, you know, do some counter pressure and some maneuvers and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I said, with this home birth, like, I really want this to be a team effort. I want this to be an experience between you and I. Like, I don't want this birth to just feel like something that I'm doing. I want this to feel like something that we're working together doing. And And I really wanted, like, him to be a part of it. Because, you know, in the hospital, too, it's like when there's all the nurses running around, it's easy for the dad to just kind of, like, step aside because there's so many other people helping. Yeah. Um, but I just told him like, I really, really want it to just be you and I. And when we had interviewed our midwife, she had said, um, like my dream birth is a birth that I really don't have to do much. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think to most people, 
if you're expecting to have like a hands-on provider, that would sound really scary (laughs) coming from Mm -hmm. them. Um, But when I heard her say that, that is exactly what I wanted. I Mm -hmm. literally wanted, you know, a midwife to be kind of standing around the corner or in the other room while my husband and I did everything together. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when she said that, I was kind of like, yep, like, this is going to be a good fit. So that's exactly what my husband and I did. It was pretty much like it was our team effort all the way until the end, until very active pushing. So, um, yeah. So let's kind of, let's kind of jump into your final weeks and your like first, um, stages of labor. Um, okay. Sorry. Say that again. (laughs) I said, let's kind of jump into like your final week or two of pregnancy and your first like beginning stages of labor and how that all went down. We'll just go into your birth. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. So um, our due date was December 3rd and um, our midwife was actually going to be out of the state the whole week of Thanksgiving. And so that was kind of an understanding that we made when we hired her. She was like, I do have this um, family vacation planned over Thanksgiving. So, you know, just know Mm -hmm. you may have to go to the hospital if you go into labor during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just really praying over that time, you know, once again, like if we're meant to have a home birth, please hold off (laughs) until she's back from her vacation. And so... We made it past that period. We made it past our due date. Um, and then he was born the day after our due date. So um, basically, the days leading up, I honestly felt great. And I was mm-hmm. like, this baby is going to be in me forever. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have no signs that like labor is coming soon. And, um, you know, of course we want good, healthy babies to stay in as long as they need to, but tired mama with two older kids as well. I was like, all right, we're ready here to meet this baby. So, um, yeah, it all kind of started one night. My husband was out visiting some friends and I was just at home watching TV and, um, labor kind of started and it came on a lot quicker than I thought. Um, I was laying on my left side on the couch watching TV and, um, when contractions started happening, they were coming at like four to five minutes apart. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, this is really interesting how fast this is happening. And they're like, here we go. It's happening. Yeah, I was like, okay, well we waited this long and now it's just going to happen super fast. And my husband and I, too, we were kind of like, okay, well, what happens if labor starts in the middle of the night and the girls are here? Like, do we let them be here when you're Mm -hmm. laboring? Or what if they're here and they hear you uh, laboring? And we don't have any family here in Norfolk. So Mm -hmm. I was like, hopefully it's not in the middle of the night. Someone's still up. Someone answers their phone and they can come get the girls. But um. I ended up just kind of shutting my eyes and being able to fall asleep that night somehow. And then I had woke up first thing in the morning and my contractions were, I mean, they were super spread apart then. I mean, it could be like 
20 minutes before I had another contraction um, Mm -hmm. or a half an hour. And so it was just really sporadic. And so um, I had texted my midwife and she was like, I'm just going to come because she, you know, lives two hours away. Right. That was my next question was, did you have an understanding that maybe she should come right away? Because yeah, I was like second and third babies, you never know. <laughs> and that's exactly what she said. And it was just so tough because I was like, I really did just kind of want it to be my husband and I hanging out here by ourselves uninterrupted. But I also wanted her to be within, you know, a close radius. Mm-hmm. And so she got here probably around 9.30. And at that time, my contractions were about nine-ish minutes apart consistently. Mm-hmm. And um, so my husband started blowing up the birth pool. And our neighbor across the street, he was on pool duty. So <laughs> I said, you know, one of the best pieces of advice that we received was, if you do want a pool um, for your birth, have someone lined up to mess with that for you because most husbands will try to take that on themselves, um, taking attention, you know, away from the mom who is laboring. I never even thought about that. Like somebody needs to blow up the pool, (laughs) (laughs) right? Someone has to blow it up and someone has to fill it. And like, that can be stressful because you, are filling up this huge pool inside of your house. So <laughs> there's lots of water that could be very damaging if something went wrong. Right. So, you know, so yeah, if you had like a leak or if something happened or the temperature wasn't right, I mean, that would be such a pain to mess with that when mm-hmm. you're in labor. So anyways, we had our neighbor on pool duty. So he came over and he was getting, you know, the hoses all hooked up and everything blown up making sure the temperature was just right. Um, So my husband was able to focus on me. So it was amazing. Um, And then one of my good friends is a photographer. Mm. And so she came over to take pictures and video our birth. And she kind of said the same thing when I was like, well, contractions are really far apart, but um, you can come whenever. And she's like, okay, I'm coming now. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, we had this full house of people getting ready for this birth. And little did we know birth was still hours and hours and hours away. Yeah, you really never know. (laughs) Yeah, you never know. And you know, I think I had these expectations, which you should never have in (laughs) your head of my second daughter's natural birth, how um, we went in at 7pm and everything just progressed so evenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was born so peacefully. Um, and so I had that expectation in my head, like, oh, it's going to be even less than six hours because this is our third baby. Mm-hmm. And no, definitely not. So, <laughs> um, so it honestly was just such a dreamy day. Um, my friend who was a photographer she just hung out with us all day. She was in and out getting lunch, getting snacks, getting coffee. Mm. Um, we had a puzzle going in our living room and we had music on and my midwife was kind of in and out giving us space as well. And then I had two other close friends of mine come and they prayed a rosary over me while I was in the pool. Mm. And, um, They just kind of hung out and provided spiritual guidance, and then they stayed as well to kind of 
Um, they kept taking pots of water out of the tub and boiling it on the stove and dumping it back into the tub. That was also something we didn't think about. Um, <laughs> it's, it's keeping the tub warm for like 12 plus hours because right? it was yeah. very long. And so, yeah, they did an amazing job of keeping the water warm for me. Um, and then, yeah, my husband and I, so we had a full house. Oh, and I forgot to mention too, we did hire a, um, assistant midwife as well. Mm -hmm. So we did have two midwives here. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, the bulk of everything. And then I would say as the day went on, things would slowly pick up. And then both of the midwives would kind of gather my cart of stuff and follow me around to whatever point of the house I was in because they thought we were getting close. And then things would slow down again. So things came in such waves. Um, I would have contractions that were a minute apart and they were super strong. Um, and then I would get in the tub and I wouldn't have another contraction for 15 minutes. It's so, so, so it was so strange and I was getting so tired mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, the night before things had started as well. So I really didn't sleep that good. And then I was so nauseous and I really didn't want to eat much. Um, my midwives were, you know, feeding me like little pieces of cheese and dates and spoonfuls of honey Mm-hmm. Um, but really that's like the only thing I could get down because I felt too sick to really eat anything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. That did. So when all of that was happening, could your midwives like tell what position baby was in at this point to kind of give you an insight of maybe this is why it's speeding up and slowing down yes. and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yes. So at the very beginning, um, when my midwife first got here, he was in normal position and everything was um, kind of progressing smoothly and consistently. And then there was one point when I was in the tub and I thought that my water had broke and um, I just had this like huge feeling in my stomach that I can't really describe. Um, and she checked and she's like, no, like everything's still intact. Like your water didn't break. And I was like, okay, well, what just happened? And so that's when, um, at the point where things got really inconsistent then. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that's kind of when he turned, um, Mm -hmm. because then he was sunny side up when he was born. Mm -hmm. And, um, really my midwife hadn't checked anything um, like positioning wise or anything like that from that point forward. So that's when we're kind of guessing that he shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, much, how much longer did it take to get to kind of your transitional pushing stage from that point? Um, that was at about 8 p.m. <clears throat> and then he wasn't born until 1250. So, um, from about 8 p.m. to, I would say, let's see, till about 10 o'clock probably, because I had a little over two hours of active pushing. Mm. Yeah, that's rough. That was, 
with my son too. He was not positioned. I don't think he was completely sunny side up, but he was like sideways kind of. Mm-hmm. So my like active pushing was like three hours yeah. long. It's so yeah. hard. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, just keep going on. Keep going. Keep telling us about it. <laughs> um, so ideally I wanted to give birth in the tub. That was just kind of um, what I've had in at, had in my head. Um, at our hospital, we actually have birthing tubs, or late, I should say, a laboring tub. They let mm-hmm. you labor in the tub for an hour or two and then get out, um, but you can't give birth in the tub. Mm-hmm. And so um, with both of my girls, that really <clears throat> kind of, I guess, furthered me in labor by being in the tub And Mm -hmm. I loved that with my first two. And so I was like, I would love to give birth in the tub, actually, not just labor in the tub. And Mm -hmm. so um, I would say I spent a lot of my time in the tub during our home birth. And every time I got in the tub, my labor just totally slowed down. Mm. So that's like, I don't know if if I relaxed to the point where... Mm-hmm. Nothing was really happening or what was going on there because the second that I would step out of the tub, my contractions picked up and were extremely intense. So yeah. um, it was like any time I sat still. So I spent a lot of time going up and down the steps mm-hmm. um, at our house here. So um, all of our bedrooms are upstairs and then the tub was on the main level. And Mm -hmm. so um, I would get in the tub and get out of the tub and then we would go up and down the steps and we have multiple pictures where um, my husband was just doing like hip compressions um, on the steps because we did a lot of laboring on the steps. Um, And so then I think the last time I got in the tub and everything slowed down significantly, my midwife was just like, I don't think that, you know, it's going to be successful for you to have the baby in the tub I think we're gonna have to you know try some other positioning Mm -hmm. and whatnot so um we ended up just walking the stairs forever and then we went upstairs in my bedroom and um again laying on my left side it must have kind of just put him in the right position Mm-hmm. Um, to really speed things up. Every time I was on my left side, I had super intense contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both of my midwives and my husband, um, they were doing compression as I was laboring. And then we were doing some of the standing positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would kind of switch to all fours. Again, if I stayed in one position too long, it was like labor stalled out. So mm-hmm. it was like my body needed to be constantly moving to keep things progressing. Yeah, just needed like lots of um, probably like asymmetrical leg movements to keep him like going down since he was kind of yes. correctly. Yep. And it was just so hard because I would get on my bed in my left side and start laboring and then things would slow down and my midwife would tell me that we need to change positions. And I was so exhausted that I was like, I can't change positions again. Like I felt like physically I couldn't move into another position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my midwives, they were trying to be gentle with me. But at the same time, they were like, 
okay, I know you're tired, but the only way this baby is coming out is if you push it out. And so therefore we have to change positions. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful that they were kind of the voice behind that because I'm not going to lie. Many times there were thoughts in my head like, okay, how long would it take for me to get into the car, drive to the hospital, get an epidural, and have this baby? Like, <laughs> like how long would that take? Or should I just push the baby out? Um, because you just get to that point where you're like, can I do this? Like, mm-hmm. did I make a mistake doing this naturally? Like, mm-hmm. am I going to die? <laughs> you yeah, know? You just like cross this line of like, I don't know, this place you've never been before. Mm-hmm. It's just such a weird outer body experience. And it just, yeah, you're just like, can I do this? When you um, kind of reflect back on this birth, do you think that was the point when you were like, that was probably when I was transitioning? Oh, yeah. Because I always feel like, like, especially for me, when I got to that point where I was like, just and kill me (laughs) like that was the point of that that's when things were happening (laughs) yes yeah I I remember I was just like on all fours in our bed and we have this like wooden headboard that has like a shelf on top kind of Mm -hmm. hard to explain but I was like gripping onto that with like all of my might um when I was pushing and I remember like I had marks on my arms from like leaning over and holding onto it because I was, I just had so much pressure and tension that I was trying to release. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was on all fours and then I just like looked up and I have this picture of Mary breastfeeding Jesus, like above my nightstand and like my lamp was shining perfectly on it. And I just remember being like, okay. Mary did this. <laughs> she, I have a nice warm house and a soft bed. And, you know, she was in a stable, a dirt ground, cold in the winter. And she did this. She gave birth to Jesus. Hmm. And I just remember thinking, like, she did that and I can do this. And that was like my total transition phase where I was like, okay, like, the only way this baby is coming out is one way. And we got to get this baby out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when everything picked up for me. Oh, I love that. So once you hit that point, how long did it take you and kind of what progressed from then to like first cry, I should say? Yeah. So that was probably about 20 minutes, I would say. Mm-hmm. Kind of when I hit that phase, um, that's kind of when... I buckled down and I was just like, okay, your last bit of energy, like you just have to give it all. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just remember my, um, I was crying and I remember my husband just like coming in and hugging me really tight. And he was like, you wanted to do this because you knew you could do this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, I can. (laughs) I can. And so, um, yeah, I had a couple of really big pushes and uh, my midwife was like, there's so much hair. (laughs) Like you can reach down and feel the baby's head. And so my husband did. I I was extremely dead. (laughs) There's no way I could have moved. And um, my husband was like, oh my gosh, you can see the head like a few more pushes. 
And um, I did. And then my husband was like, it's a boy. And we we have two girls. And so we were really um, hoping to add a boy to our family. And so that was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, just the cherry on top of everything to be like, there was my reward. Yeah. And now we can hear him. He's talking to us too. <laughs> Waking up. Making so compared to your unmedicated um, hospital birth, how was like the first, um, like he came out, your husband announced it's a boy. Like what, what's the protocol for like immediately after birth when you're at home? <clears throat> So, um, I will say my midwife, um, at our hospital, she is wonderful. She fully believes in the sacred hour and skin to skin and uninterrupted breastfeeding, you know, in the first hour. And so when I had our two girls, both times, she said, you know, why don't you labor without a bra on, just a gown, so we can always do, you know, skin to skin right when baby comes out. So um, both times when my girls were born, our midwife just held up the baby and said, it's a girl, and immediately put baby on my chest. And basically the same exact thing happened this time. So Mm -hmm. um, I I gave birth on my knees on our bed. Mm -hmm. And then... um, I just kind of, (laughs) right when the baby came out, my midwife was like, don't sit down. (laughs) The baby was like right under me. And I was so (laughs) tired that like right when his whole body came out, I just felt my whole body relax. Mm -hmm. And she was like, don't sit down, don't sit down. Um, And then she passed him through my knees Mm -hmm. and gave him to me. And so um, we just had immediate skin to skin in bed with my husband. We had a blanket on him. Um, And then obviously we did the delayed cord clamping probably for about uh, 45 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And again, we just did everything uninterrupted that first hour. So my midwives were cleaning everything up. They were doing some charting. Um, my friends were there just getting drinks and cold towels and all sorts of stuff for us while we established breastfeeding. Um, and it was just so magical. I just, I don't think I will ever be able to replicate that feeling of just being in my bed with my baby on my chest and my husband in our bed, in our house. Yeah. Um, with our friends there by our side, it was just amazing. So, so relaxed and everything. It was so relaxed. It was just such a different feeling of, I don't know. I feel like when I gave birth both times in the hospital, I was like, okay, now I can't wait to, you know, go home and like fully relax. Yeah. Um, And you're already there. (laughs) Yes. And, um, it was so nice. So when I delivered, then all of a sudden I was like, well, I'm not nauseous anymore and now I can eat. And it was 12.50 in the morning and I was so hungry and um, I had meal prepped a bunch of like soups and muffins and bread for immediate postpartum. And so I had my midwife come downstairs and just warm up soup and bread and bring it up to me. 
And Mm. I had a piece of bread and honey with soup and in my bed with my baby on me. And it was just amazing to be home. And right now, like I want it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I can't, can I still have that six weeks later? Right. Just (laughs) bring you some stories. Yes. So Um, yeah, it was great. And then, um, so after the hour of uninterrupted time and then after I was fed, um, then they weighed him and, you know, they did all of his vitals and they did a full evaluation of both of us. Um, they did give me some herbs for bleeding and, um, after the hour she did have, me get up and just kind of walk to the bathroom and she came with me and then her and my husband both helped me shower and kind of get into some clean clothes. Um, All in the meantime, my amazing friends were still there and they were holding Gus for us while I was getting taken care of. And then our assistant midwife, of course, was tidying up our room and giving us new sheets. And so then... Um, I was able to climb into a clean bed with my baby and I was showered and I was fed and I think everyone left our house around 2.30 a.m. And um, the next morning, my husband and I came downstairs and everything was cleaned up. Our whole house was clean. All of the sheets and towels, those were all laundered. And our kitchen was clean and our midwives and our friends had just like taken care of everything for us. So Mm -hmm. we just like came down first thing in the morning and were able to have breakfast in our home in our clean house. And it was just, it was so magical. I can't even like articulate it, how it felt. It was just like, Uh, I could have just cried because of how loved and just how safe I felt. It was such a different feeling postpartum that, you know, I will never take for granted because I truly feel like this postpartum has been so much more peaceful. And genuinely, I've just been so much happier this postpartum, even though we have so much more chaos going on in our house. Um, But I just feel so much more fulfilled by this postpartum. And I truly attribute it to the birthing process those first few hours after, and then just feeling safe in our own house. Yeah. Did you have a different like physical recovery with this one or did you do pretty good this time? Honestly, I was hoping that it was going to be my best um, recovery ever, but I will say it was my hardest. Yeah. Um, Just the longest probably. (laughs) It was the longest. And honestly, his um, position I just feel like my hips and my lower back, everything was so much more sore this time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, yeah, his position, I had tons of back labor. Um, and yeah, it was just, and I think too, just my third baby, and I am a little bit older this time. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like everything just kind of, you know, was a little bit more difficult, but um, about 48 hours after, um, I went to the chiropractor and Gus went to the chiropractor and that seriously saved me. I felt so amazing after that. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, now six weeks out, we're feeling great. I'm really looking forward to, um, my postpartum doula that's going to be coming next week. 
she is going to be doing a vaginal steam. Oh. And um, some binding for us. So I'm really excited to kind of experience those. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. Is there anything else in this? You know, I mean, you don't have months of postpartum to talk about, but if you, is there anything else to note in this postpartum that you want to talk about compared to the other ones or Mm. breastfeeding journey? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, um, our breastfeeding journey this third time, um, of course, like you never have one breastfeeding journey that's like the others, you know? So Mm -hmm. my first daughter, I breastfed for 13 months. My second daughter was 19 months. And so this time I was really hoping that things, you know, were going to go more smooth. Um, (laughs) But of course, you know, they're always different. Um, He immediately latched the minute that he came out and he had a very strong latch. He, um, I would say he would come off and his lips were actually like a purple blue color because his latch was so strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had significant... um, upper lip and tongue ties which contributed to the compensation of him using his lips instead of his Mm -hmm. um, inner oral function and so by day about two or three we were having significant pain with breastfeeding I had nipple damage and it was almost intolerable and so at this point kind of knowing what I knew I was really worried that you know I was getting proper stimulation and I did have a delay with my milk coming in as well. My milk didn't fully come in till about six days, mm-hmm. um, which with my other two, it was about day three that it came in. And mm-hmm. again, I attribute it to kind of the pain associated with nursing and the stimulation, the lack of stimulation from his second swallow. Mm-hmm. So basically, we had a lot of chomping going on more than feeding and sucking. And so... Um, I just immediately knew something wasn't right, especially having my previous breastfeeding journeys that um, were fairly painless. I was like, okay, this is a whole new level here. Like this is what moms are talking about when they're having nipple pain when feeding. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so he then got his lip and tongue tie revised when he was two weeks old and there was an immediate difference. Um, Mm -hmm. We're still kind of working through some things because as a lot of families know who go through um, lip or tongue revisions, um, it's not just a procedure, but it's a process. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you're not looking for immediate results when you get that release done. Um, I mean, you're hoping that some pain subsides, but what we're really looking at is their oral function Mm -hmm. afterwards, because we think, you know, babies have been forming these suck and swallow patterns in utero since about 12 weeks old when they were sucking and swallowing amniotic fluid. So a lot of parents may think, oh, you know, we're going to get this revision done at two weeks old and we're going to get ahead of things. Some providers will even do the revision in the first 24, 48 hours in the hospital, which I Mm -hmm. think is um, not great timing. Um, Mm -hmm. 
it's just not good practice because you're not having proper um, follow-up care at that point. Mm -hmm. You're not having proper education and baby like mom's milk isn't even in yet. So we should not be revising oral restrictions until mom's milk is in and we can get a proper evaluation of the suck and swallow. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I could go on a huge tangent about that. Um, I'm very passionate about finding, you know, correct care when it comes to lactation support, because there's so many people willing to give out bad advice about lactation without Mm -hmm. having the proper training. And moms are in such a vulnerable time and state that um, they'll listen to almost anything anyone tells them sometimes because, you know, we're in such a vulnerable state. And it's important that people are getting correct information because they are taking it to heart. And mm-hmm. if implemented and it's cor- incorrect information, you know, that can make or break a mom's lactation journey. So it's just something that I'm very passionate <laughs> about that I could go on for hours about. But anyways, um, so after we had his revision done, my pain subsided, but we were still having a lot of gassiness and choking while feeding. Mm-hmm. Um and milk leaking out of the corners of his mouth. And I quickly realized that there was something else going on. So he's had some dysfunction with his suck and swallow, which we have to retrain again, because babies have been creating those patterns for so long that now we have to be their teachers to kind of help mm-hmm. them reform that suck and swallow. So, mm-hmm. so that's what we're currently working on now. Um And my heart goes out to all of those families who are dealing with this when breastfeeding is your goal and you have these obstacles because it takes a lot of work. And I know um, Shannon can attest to this too because her and I have had this conversation many times, but um, the amount of appointments that we've had and he's not even six weeks old, um, Mm -hmm. it can be exhausting and financially straining and especially living in a small town. So, you know, our largest town, both Lincoln and Omaha, they're each about two hours away from us. Mm -hmm. And that's a four hour round trip with a newborn. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you said, not fun. And a lot lot of the time, those are our closest resources. So it can be really frustrating because you just feel helpless. You're like, I know we need this support, but do I really have to drive, you know, four hours to get it? So, mm-hmm. And I mean, to kind of spiral off of that, do you feel like, like, I, I want to word this correctly, when there's like hospital lactation people, do you think that some of them, and not all of them, because I've had great ones and not great ones, um, <laughs> do you think they like to just throw a bandaid on things and kind of like, send you home kind of a thing because I've I just feel like I've heard so many people in the last year or two you know since I've had a baby and become interested in all these things where the hospital just sends them home with a nipple shield if it hurts and then they're just like yeah just use this you know kind of a thing instead of like correcting the issue or helping with the issue yes for anyone listening (laughs) don't use a nipple shield. (laughs) Um, Find out what is really going on. Find the root source of what's happening because, man, when I get a lactation 
visit and the mom's been using a nipple shield for weeks or months, it is so difficult to transition off of that nipple shield um, mm-hmm. because the real issue was not addressed right away. And you're absolutely correct. Um, and I will say, um, I do appreciate that you said, you know, oh, I want to phrase this correctly because um, I never try to, you know, talk bad or offend someone for um you know, not giving proper lactation education when it Mm -hmm. comes to hospital care, because at our local hospital is where I did my lactation training. And um, the education that the staff was given was little to none. Mm -hmm. So not that they were giving bad advice, but they were not given any, you know, education on how to help these families. And Mm so there was a lot of nurses in the labor and delivery unit where they um, had never been moms before. So they had never breastfed themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, They've never had a baby before. um, And they are never given any lactation education. And so basically all they know is here are some nipple shields. Here's some nipple cream. Mm -hmm. Um, most of those nurses don't even know how to, you know, use a pump or educate families. And these families that are there are looking for those nurses to give them education and help. So Mm -hmm. it's so tough, you know, to expect the hospital to give proper lactation care if an IBCLC isn't there or staffed. Now, so that's when it comes to nurses. But yes, I would say a lot of times, um, IBCLCs that are staffed in hospitals. And again, not always. Um, but it's so hard because again, doing my training there, you see these families for one to two days mm-hmm. and mom's milk is not even in yet. So mm-hmm. the extent of lactation care that you're given in those first 24, 48 hours versus what I do when a baby is, you know, a week or two old, when mom's milk is in, it looks so different. Mm-hmm. Um, in those first 24, 48 hours, there can be some discomfort with breastfeeding because you're not used to having this barnacle attached to you 24 right. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of times when lactation consultants hear that in the hospital, they're like, yeah, there is some discomfort. You know, baby's eating colostrum. They have to suck a lot harder because colostrum's a lot thicker. You know, mm-hmm. the pains should subside when your milk comes in, those sorts of things. And in the first one to two days, there's really not any signs of nipple damage yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that usually happens a few days down the line as well. Again, when I see that. Yeah. Um, but I will say a lot of times um, I feel like moms are dismissed when they say that, you know, there is pain or something doesn't feel right. I have a lot of people say that um, hospital lactation will tell them like, oh, well, your baby was early and your baby just has a small mouth. Mm. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) not true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, all babies have small mouths, but um, but they were, yeah. Right away. (laughs) Right, right. They were made to breastfeed. So it's not an issue of your baby having a small mouth, but um, more often than not, it's a latching or a positioning issue. So yeah, for sure. For sure. So 
I guess to kind of like summarize all that, um, if you feel like you have not um, been listened to or you've been dismissed um, by a lactation consultant before, um, or even just nursing staff, they may not be fully educated um, Mm -hmm. or fully, you know, aware of what's going on. So never be afraid to ask for a second opinion. because you're going to know best, especially now having a baby with oral restrictions this third time. Um, His latch looks amazing from the outside, and it did the minute that he came out. His latch looked great, but it felt terrible. Mm -hmm. And so that brought a whole new understanding to me as well. I was like, it's not just about how it looks externally, Mm -hmm. um, but how the mom's feeling. So it's important that the mom is listened to and supported, mm-hmm. not just, oh, well, the latch looks good mm-hmm. um, because things can be going on interorally that we can't see externally. So getting a second opinion and it may be someone outside of lactation as well. There's so many times that I refer out to um, our pediatric dentist here to check mm-hmm. for um, oral restrictions because I'm like, everything looks good to me. So I want you to go get a second opinion or maybe I'll refer out to physical therapy or chiropractic care, um, just because there's other venues that can help moms and babies as well. It's not just lactation. And sometimes it takes, um, you know, a group of professionals to help the mom succeed, not just lactation. So never um, underestimate asking for a second opinion or asking a different provider because someone might have, you know, be able to shed light from a different perspective for you. I love that advice. It takes a team sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of jump into just um, if to wrap this up a little bit or else we'll talk for three hours. I know. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> do you have any recommendations for new moms to prepare themselves for birth? And then um, I kind of want you to just like talk about what your breastfeeding course is and give yourself a little shout out and then we will wrap it up. Sure. Um, so I would say, yeah, my biggest advice for um, birth and postpartum is just um, knowing what you need specifically. So I would say this pregnancy and postpartum has looked very different this time around for me than my first two pregnancies in postpartum because I actually listened to myself this time at what would be helpful and what I wanted and what I needed. So for example, um, with this baby, we got a few outfits down and we got our bassinet down and that's about all I did for the baby side of things because babies Mm -hmm. are always going to be taken care of. They're always going to be loved. You know, we will always make sure of that as mothers and babies don't need a lot, especially Mm -hmm. newborns. And so I, this time put my focus on um, nourishing myself because I know that makes me a better mom when I'm fed. (laughs) And especially with two kids this time, I was like, we need some meals on hand. So I'm not spending time in the kitchen so I can give my attention to our kids. And so, um, this time we did tons of freezer meal prepping, um, for all three meals of the day. And, um, I became established with a therapist this time during pregnancy. So postpartum, when that time came, 
if I needed emotional and mental support, I had that relationship established already. Mm -hmm. Um, And then let's see what else here. (laughs) Um, And then like I talked about, I had a postpartum doula this time. And so again, just helping with things around the house and taking care of me so I can take care of everyone else. That's just my biggest advice. Just know what you need. Um, Mm -hmm. and don't focus on like the hype of, you know, getting all the fancy gadgets and things for baby, but focus on what you need because you need to take care of yourself to be able to take care of your baby. And it took me a third baby to realize (laughs) that, (laughs) you know, I feel like with our first baby, I was like, well, I don't want to be selfish. You know, I don't need these things for me. And truly, it's not being selfish. It, you, The mom has to be taken care of as well. You need nourishing food, warm meals. You need support from family and friends. You need rest. And, mm-hmm. you know, you need all of those things. So don't be afraid to ask for that. So one of the things that I told my husband um, was, I just need to be fed and food is just my love language in general. So (laughs) I was like, every day before you leave for work, I just need all of us to be fed. That's just, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your task. And that has just been game changing. Um, Just starting our day with a meal Mm -hmm. and um, just sets us up for success. So don't be afraid to ask your partner for those things as well um, because we all need that help and we all need that support. Um, But I will say one of the greatest tools this time around, um, one of my, um, I guess you can cut this part out. I can't even think of the word now. Um, (laughs) What would I call her? Not my friend. Yes, that's the word. I was like, I know it starts with a C, not coworker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, my colleague and I, we have formulated a prenatal um, breastfeeding and postpartum course, which is called Nourish Beginnings. Mm -hmm. And um, both her and I, if you go to our Instagram pages, um, you can purchase that course in our bio. It completely sets you up for success, but it replaces any breastfeeding or prenatal education that you may need. It takes you all the way through your pregnancy, all the way through the early days of um, breastfeeding and postpartum, and then it hits every single milestone. So it'll talk about growth spurts. It'll talk about introducing solids, pumping, weaning, Um, I would say one of the best sections of our breastfeeding course um, is going to be for any postpartum mom, whether you're breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, Um, but it goes through ways to feel grounded for your mental health. Um, It provides recipes for postpartum. Um, It's just all over a guide to get you through your early postpartum days and set you up for success. Oh, I love that. Like, I'm like, maybe I need to get pregnant just so I can take this course. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I have referred to our own course already because in those first few weeks when we are having lots of sleepless nights, I had mm-hmm. texted um, 
my friend who's a lactation consultant and she was like, did you watch the sleep portion of your own course? (laughs) I was like, true. So I did. I went back and I watched that and I was like, everything we're experiencing is normal because it's so easy to get wrapped up in those postpartum days where you're trying to diagnose and fix everything and make everything perfect. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need that reminder of like everything you're going through is normal. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. It's it's all normal. And so, yeah, having that as a reference, um, once you purchase the course, you have it forever. So um, that's one of the reasons that we wanted to make this course is because um, my colleague and I, we would always talk about how when we teach our breastfeeding class, we feel like the families leave with these huge bug eyes because we just gave them so much information. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we want you to have all this information, but really all you need is, you know, breastfeeding 101, but we mm-hmm. want you to have all this information for down the line. And so we formulated this course where you have it forever. You can log back in whenever, you know, you come to a bump in the road or a new milestone, maybe a year from now when you're thinking about weaning. Um That way you're not so overwhelmed in the beginning and you can sit down and listen to specific parts when you're at that specific point in your lactation Mm -hmm. journey. I suppose instead of like hearing all of it at once, you just go as you need because like nobody needs to know about weaning when they're one week postpartum. (laughs) Right, right. And I think one of the most helpful sections um, that my colleague and I wanted to make sure that we put in there was a section for mom. Because Mm -hmm. it always just amazes me how you have your baby. And then um, in traditional healthcare, they're like, okay, we'll see you for your six to eight week checkup. Mm -hmm. But yet they want to see the newborn, you know, 48 hours after he's born, one week after, two week after, one month after. And it's Mm -hmm. like, where, where's the check-in for mom? Because we are the primary caregivers here and we are the ones, you know, that are taking on the brunt of the emotional, mental, and physical load. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make sure in our course that we have a huge section for dads and for moms. And I would say those are my two favorite sections of the course. So there's um, a question and answer with our husband's. Um, that's specific for dads to listen to so they can help mom get through this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the portion for moms where we talk about grounding and nutrition and seeking out mental health if necessary, finding a support group for yourself, getting rest, um, mm-hmm. and you know, red flags, what's normal and what's not normal postpartum. So, you know, what a blessing to be able to to have that and um, just have that extra care since a lot of times moms aren't really addressed until six to eight weeks postpartum. Yeah. yeah. And then they just go into that appointment. And they're like, oh, you're alive. Sweet. You're good yeah. to go. Right. <laughs> I know. And I will say that has been one amazing thing also with having a home birth is um. After um, Gus was born, our midwife was like, okay, well, I'll see you in 24 hours. And I was like, what? Like, no (laughs) one's going to check on us for 24 hours? Like, we get uninterrupted sleep and we get to be alone. And it was amazing. Um, 
my husband is the one who kind of had to do some fundal massage with me and kind of check on my vitals a little bit and check in with me. And it, I don't know, there was something about it that it just felt so much more intimate that him and I were doing this together. Um, like you were, like you had the support, but it wasn't like the 3 a.m. wake ups by them being like, are you okay? I need to do a fundal massage, but they're still there at the same time. Yes, we had this responsibility to obviously make sure that I was healing correctly, um, mm-hmm. but we were doing it together and we were doing it on our time. And again, I feel like that accelerated like my mental and emotional healing because again, it was just teamwork and on our time. Mm-hmm. And then um, our midwife came 24 hours later and then one week later and both times she just came into our house and came up to my room and just sat on the end of the bed and talked to us. And it was amazing. Like, I mean, just care that I've never had before. I mean, when does that Mm -hmm. happen when your midwife or your doctor gets to see you a week later and spends an hour and a half just talking to you, asking you how you are? Yeah. So, yeah. So it was well. I think we should probably wrap this up, (laughs) but thank you so, 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 so much for coming on today. Um, If you want to just drop your handle and your um, links to your stuff after that, or, you know, when I'm done talking, that would be great. But other than that, thank you so much for joining. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to finally meet you. (laughs) virtual meet (laughs) yeah right